Hello, my friends, and welcome, welcome to another Cup of Joe podcast. It is Wednesday. I am in echoey St. Anne. I don't know if it comes through on this uh, podcast or not on the recording. Uh, it is, well, it's late morning here, but it is Wednesday, April 28th. Uh, wherever you are uh, receiving this, I, I give you my love. I, I, I wish you God's blessing and uh, a day rooted uh, in uh, just the love of God and the presence of Christ, spirit within your midst. Okay, we're going to leave John chapter 10 behind. We are jumping to John 12 today. Uh, and I think tomorrow we're going to jump to 13. So consistency here being we are within the gospel of John. But um, jumping around, we're not going consecutively. But what we're going to hear today will resonate very much with yesterday. You'll see that come out. So John 12, verses 44 to 50. Let's break open God's Word together today. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus cried out and said, Whoever believes in me, believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. I came into the world as light, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. And if anyone hears my words and does not observe them, I do not condemn them. For I did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. Whoever rejects me and does not accept my words has something to judge them, the word that I spoke. It will condemn them on the last day, because I did not speak on my own, but the Father who sent me commanded me, to, commanded me what to say and speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. So what I say, I say as the Father told me. My friends, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Now, doesn't this have uh, echoes of past readings of John all over it? I mean, it really does. The, The first part where he says, whoever believes in me believes not only in me, but also the one who sent me. Whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. Boy, that just goes to yesterday, right? John chapter 10, where he says right at the end, as clear as day, not the only time he says it clear as day, but clear as day, I and the Father are one. And here he says it again, whoever sees me sees the one who sent me. And then we go to the next. I came into the world as light so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. That goes to John chapter 1, doesn't it? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know, and I should have it up here in front of me. But that word was the light. Uh, You know, he calls himself the light. Okay, I can't just sit here and try to quote John chapter 1, that brilliant, <laughs> incredible uh, scripture passage, and, not, and do it just terribly by it. So let me buy for time while I'm calling it up here on my computer. John 
chapter one. All right, in the beginning was the word. We know I got that part. <laughs> and what came to be through him was life, and this light was the light of the human race. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Oh, is that so good? I'm glad I went back. Thank you for your patience. What came to be through him, meaning through Christ, the word, capital W, was life. And this life was the light of the human race. And the light shines in darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Doesn't that just remind you of the Easter vigil? When we bring in the candle, what shines, you know, is, is that light in the darkness and the darkness has not and will not and cannot overcome it. Because light and life, which is what the word capital W is, is stronger than those things. It's so good. He came into the world as light. So that, and I love this part, so that everyone who believes in me might not remain in darkness. Then we get echoes of John 3, 17, right? And if anyone hears my word and does not observe them, I do not condemn them, for I did not come, into, come to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's almost, you know, word for word, John 3, 17. But then he goes into 3.18, kind of, and and reflects that. Whoever rejects me and does not accept my words has something to judge them. The word that I spoke, that will condemn them on the last day. Because, again, it goes into that image that he is light, right? He comes into the world as light, and the darkness flees. Darkness cannot overcome the light. But we have to choose which we want. It's that proverbial fork in the road we talked about on, on Monday, right? We have to choose what we want. Do we prefer the darkness? Because if we do, we've heard the words, we've seen the light, but we just don't want to live that way. We want to live in darkness. We can say, oh, I believe, but I'm living in darkness. You know, our choice condemns us. We've heard the words, that's going to condemn us. He doesn't want us to go to the darkness, but we choose that if we choose to go that side of the fork. Um... That's what condemns us, our actions. Do we desire the light? Because that's what he presents us. It saves us. That life is the, and, and that life brings light, or life, right? That light brings life. It's so good. It's so good. But here's what I want to focus on today. And it's something I focused on yesterday. I just want to, I just want to spin it out a little bit more. And that's that idea of our image of God. I mean, this reading is so rich. It is so rich. But brothers and sisters, and this is, is not a rhetorical question, when you image God, what is it you image? Today, on April 28th of 2021, how do you image God? You know, the truth is for me, I know Jesus' words are right, but there's something within me, whether it was within me as a child and I have a hard time getting rid of that or whatever, that this God of wrath, I know that image is still in there and I do not care for it. But I'd be lying if I said it wasn't there. You know, I, one of my earliest memories, and, and in my mind, this is absolutely how it went, but I suspect I've put together different times and places and things to, to create this. But in my mind, I remember my grandfather, my, so it was my dad's dad, his funeral. And I was about six, I think it was 1971, uh, where uh, Grandpa Edward passed away. 
And I remember being at the church in Rolling Stone, Minnesota. That's where Grandpa grew up, Rolling Stone. And in, again, in my mind's eye, I swear by it, I looked at one of the stained glass windows, and there on top of that stained glass window was God, God the Father. And he was dressed in white, and he had this old beard, and he was an old man, and he was sitting on this throne, and it was on a cloud. Honestly, I can see it today, and it was to my right. It wasn't to my left. It was to my right that I saw it. Now, I'll probably go to Rolling Stone sometime in my life, and and there's no way in Hades that that uh, stained glass is there, but in my mind it is. And, And, you know, he did not have bolts of lightning in his hand, but, but I'm telling you straight up, it, it could have been inserted, at least in my mind, as this image of Zeus, uh, you know, that, that Disney put out in that movie Hercules 20-ish years ago, whatever. I mean, it just, where do our images of God come from? Do they come from Roman or Greek mythology? Do they come from uh, uh, the, the Hebrew scriptures and, and not the Christian ones or both and? You know, because there certainly are places in the Hebrew scriptures that, that God uh, is seen in his wrath. Uh, do we take it from, uh, you know, what a culture will say who God is or, or what we see on TV or movies, you know, of what, of what that image is? Um, Again, I, I just urge us to come back and say, okay, where do we get that image? Because we don't simply believe in a God who created us. Again, if we did that, we would be deists. That's what I talked about yesterday. We are Christians who follow the God of Jesus Christ. And if we take what he said yesterday and we take what he said today seriously, if we believe him, that must, must, can I say it again? Must change our image of God. It must. Now, that's a, that may be a long journey because some of that stuff is entrenched. And it's okay to be honest. But um, Jesus says clearly here, Whoever believes in me, believes not only in me, but also in the one who sent me. And whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. Whoever sees me, sees the one who sent me. You know, we have this, often this image of God on a mountaintop. And we have to go make this journey and go up this mountain and do all this work. And then we see God in this height of wisdom. And then we come back down. But in a sense... You know, in a sense, that's true. You know, Jesus uses them in imagery in the transfiguration. Their mountaintop experiences where, where, where that veil is thin and we have to come down the mountain and live in the valley because the, the life, of course, isn't lived on a mountaintop. But, but our God doesn't just remain distant that way, that we have to journey to him. In fact, it's the exact opposite. It's the exact opposite. The, in the incarnation, what we celebrate on December 25th, or what we call Christmas, the Christ Mass, we celebrate God descending that mountain and living among us. That he doesn't want to be separate. That's not God's intent or image. And, and one of the things, you know, again, that I'll ask this, and then I want to use a, a story uh, that some of you may have heard before by Father Jerry Hughes, a Jesuit priest, a wonderful man who passed away about a handful of years ago. But what drives our relationship with God? 
Is it love? Or is it fear? Or is it something else? Gain? Um, why would I say fear? What an odd thing that is. Let me read this story, and then perhaps we can talk about it. But this story, again, written by Father uh, Jerry Hughes a number of years ago in his book uh, called God of Surprises, Father Gerard Hughes, uh, SJ, Society of Jesus, a Jesuit. Here's what he had to say. God was a family relative, much admired by mom and dad, who described him as a very loving, a great friend of the family, who described him as very loving, a great friend of the family, very powerful and interested in all of us. Eventually, we are taken to visit good old Uncle George. That's in quotation marks. He lives in a formidable mansion, is bearded, gruff, and threatening. We cannot share our parents' admiration for him. At the end of the visit, Uncle George turns to address us. Now listen, dear, he begins, looking very severe. I want to see you here once a week, and if you fail to come, let me just show you what will happen to you. He then leads us down to the mansion's basement. It is dark, becomes hotter and hotter as we descend, and we begin to hear unearthly screams. In the basement, there are steel doors. Uncle George opens one. Now look in there, dear, he says. We see a nightmare vision, an array of blazing furnaces with little demons in attendance who hurl into the blaze those men, women, and children who failed to visit Uncle George or to act in a way he approved. And if you don't visit me, dear, that is where you will most certainly go, says Uncle George. He then takes us upstairs again to meet Mom and Dad. As we go home, tightly clutching Dad with one hand and Mom with the other, Mom leans over and says, And now, don't you love Uncle George with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? And we say, Yes, I do. Because to say anything else would be to join the queue with the furnace. At a tender age, deep conflict has set in and we keep telling Uncle George how much we love him and how good he is and that we want to do only what pleases him. him. We observe what we are told are his wishes and dare not admit, even to ourselves, that we loathe him. Isn't that an interesting story? And again, it calls to mind what drives. And, and, and this, is, this is an adult question, brothers and sisters. This is not a question for a child. What drives today our relationship with God? We may look at that and say, that's a children's story. There's nothing of me there. What drives our relationship with God? Is it out of a, a, an idea that I do not want this. I don't want to be in that queue. I don't, you know, if, if I don't please God, this is what's going to happen to me. Then I'm going to ask again, what is our image of God? But if what Jesus says, my friends, is true, that he and the Father are one, that we have seen him, we have seen the Father. Brothers and sisters, we can breathe. We can breathe. That the world just became 
so much better. The God became so much better. Because this is a God eminently on our side, for us and with us. I mean, that whole idea, right, of, of Emmanuel, God with us. And, and Jesus' own name, Yeshua, means God saves. That there is no end to where God will go for our love. But the choice is still ours. And I love that dichotomy that Jesus puts out in this reading. Hey, it's light. I came in the world that, that, that the world may be saved through me. That you can see the light and that scatters the darkness. But we get to choose. We get to choose. And that is what condemns us. Our own choices. God shows us what the kingdom looks like. And yes, that may entail uh, as gold is tested in, in fire, walking through fire, because we need to be in a purgatorial way, in a purging way. Uh, we need to be purged of habits and ideas and attitudes and, uh, and ways of being in this world. And that is not easy. Don't think we're walking between the raindrops here. But to choose light is to choose God. And this is a God who constantly reaches out to us, who chases after us who, as that hound of heaven. Or, or I love that, uh, that, that different rendition. You know, we know Psalm 23, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. I love that, that rendition. I don't know if this is Eugene Peterson's, but I suspect it's, if it's not his, it's somebody like him uh, in, in his Bible, The Message. Uh, he uses it, surely goodness and mercy will pursue me all the days of my life. Brothers and sisters, that that is who God is in Jesus Christ, in the Holy Spirit, one as somebody who pursues us and doesn't want us to make that choice uh, of an ill sheep, but one who chooses to listen and follow the shepherd. This is, a, this is an adult question. What is our image of God and what drives it? And my, my hope for you and I today is, well, the answer is, who is Jesus Christ? And how did he live in the world? And how did he act? And, and how did he speak? Because if God and Jesus are one, then that is good, good news for us. Let's pray. We continue through uh, the uh, sorrowful mysteries today, my friends, and we begin in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. The third sorrowful mystery, the crowning of thorns. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. 
Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell. Lead all souls to heaven, especially those in most need of thy mercy. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. My friends, my love to you, blessings on this day. Be well, and I look forward to us being back together again tomorrow.